how lucky we are to have such talented musicians here at the Grove. Michael, Katie, thank y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One of the things that I think is powerful about music or really any art form is at times when they do it right, they strike a tone that resonates on a soul level. They connect to something inside of us that maybe we can't name or put words to. I think this song does that, at least for me and hopefully for you. It speaks to this search that exists inside of each one of us. This searching that I think that we were born into. You see, I think there's a restlessness to the human soul. We were born without a concrete sense of identity, a concrete sense of security and conviction that uh, we were made well and are loved for who we are. And because of that, this restlessness leads us out in searching for some sense of security, some sense of rest, some knowing that everything is okay and that we're okay. I think that most of kind of pop culture, movies, TV shows, music that we listen to, even works of fiction, they all describe this searching that goes on in the human life. See, for many of us, sometime around adolescence, we leave our home, whether literally or figuratively, and we set out on this search. We go off searching for an identity. We go off searching for associations and relationships, people that we can have mirror who we are and we can mirror back to them. We're searching for some type of differentiation from our home and from our family, maybe from our community and the values that they share. We're working to build a life. We're starting to search for a vocation, a place to put our energies and our passions to direct the focus and the thrust of our life. We're searching for someone to love and someone to marry and someone to build a life and a family with. This whole search that leads us away from home in our adolescence is ultimately about finding a place where we can experience rest, a place where our restlessness can finally stop. And in a word, what we're trying to find, I think, in life is a new home, one different and better than the one that we left, some place where we can finally stop searching, finally stop looking, finally stop the restlessness that goes on inside of our hearts. And we try to go about this in lots of different ways, but ultimately, the search is for a home. St. Augustine famously said, Lord, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. And I think that's the whole journey of the Christian life is how do we deal with this restlessness? I think that is the nature of spirituality is really how do we channel, how do we tend to, how do we acknowledge and care for and steward the restlessness that exists within each of us? This restlessness, it isn't bad. It's not wrong. But how we manage it, how we navigate it, where it leads us, the choices that we make based on it, really impact our lives and impact our spirituality. And so that's why we are in the middle of this series called The Two Halves of Life. Because we recognize that for many of us, on this search through life for a home, for a place to find rest, it can be confusing, it can be uncertain and unsettling. And really what we need most is a roadmap some type of cartography to help us navigate 
this journey through life, this journey to find rest for our souls, this journey that we would call spiritual formation. Even though that might not be the language that we use in everyday conversation, the song that we heard, this idea that I still haven't found what I'm looking for, is really a song about spiritual growth and spiritual exploration and spiritual formation. And so what we're talking about in this series is what does this journey through life look like? What is the general shape that it takes? What is the path that we can identify throughout life? And really, there are lots of different um, examples and versions of how we can understand the way the life takes. They're called stage theories, different ways that we can understand the general um, passages and phases and stages that we go through in life. But really, what we're looking at is probably the most basic and kind of the most um, central to what we see throughout Scripture. And it's this recognition that there are generally two halves to life. And very simply, the first half of life is this search, this desire to get our life together, to build a life, to build an identity. Think about most of the energies and the time that you spend in your day-to-day, and in some way, shape, or form, it is typically directed towards building your life, continuing to construct your life, getting your life together. And then at some point in our life, We recognize that maybe the life that we've built and the way that we've built it, uh, it fails us in some way. Either we have climbed the mountain of success, gotten to the top and looked out and said, oh, this is it. We've been let down by what we were promised as kind of the end goal of this, you know, search. And, you know, at the end of the rainbow, there'd be this pot of gold. And we get to the end of some first half of life and we realize that what's on the other side is not satisfaction and rest but really another mountain for us to climb or somewhere along the journey through the first half of life we recognize that life maybe hasn't gone the way that we thought it would it hasn't always been up and to the right there's been some stumbling some setback some tragedy some misfortune that has happened whether we have created it or has happened to us and we find our place in this confusing troubling kind of middle passageway because Life didn't go the way that we were promised it would go. And so both places leave us wondering what's next. How do we move forward from this place? And that typically takes us into the second half of life. And so if the first half of life is the struggle to get our life together, the second half of life is the struggle to give our life away. In the middle of this place of uncertainty or disappointment or suffering or pain, we realize that there is more to life than the life that we have been living. And so we begin to think about what this looks like on how we can begin to lean into the vulnerable places in our life, the places of pain, the places of disappointment and sorrow. How can we become more generous and generative in our life? How do we begin to live our life, not just for ourselves, but how do we begin to live our life for others? And so this morning, I want to talk about in more detail this first half of life where this restlessness can often lead us, where this searching uh, can take us. And really, I think that there's kind of two main pathways through life that this searching and restlessness draws us. And there are these kind of very archetypal um, parts of the soul. I really think that there's two parts to the soul, two functions of the soul, and thus two pathways that we typically explore when we're searching the first half of life. And it's this kind of dichotomy, it's this equilibrium of chaos and of order. 
Now, chaos is not kind of this awful, bad sense of the word chaos, but it's really the passions, the energies, the life force that we experience in our life. If you think of a couple of little kids playing out in the yard, it is chaotic, but it is filled with life. There's not a lot of rules. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of fun. That is kind of the way that um, archetypally we can understand one version of what our soul does for us. It gives us life. It gives us joy. When we pursue our passions and our energies, things that fill us and feed us, that's one category. That's kind of the aspect of chaos. The other is the aspect of order. This is the thing that keeps us organized and together. You can also experience with small children, if there are no rules in their life, life starts to get really hard really fast. We need some sense of structure. We need some sense of order. But if you go too far towards that end, life can start to feel not like life. When you move too far away from the passion and the energy of chaos, too far into order, life is constrictive. And life is, becomes small and diminutive in a way. It's kind of the look in the eyes of a tiger who's caged up. If our life is too constricted and bound, too ordered, without enough of the energy and the joy of life, it can feel hard and it can feel tiresome and it can feel routine and rote and like it's draining the life out of us. My guess is some of you have been in phases or seasons of your life where it has been so structured and so controlled and so ordered, filled with so much commitment and responsibility that it feels like life stops feeling like life in some way, that you're just going through the motions. But in the same way, if you move too far back towards chaos, it can become unmanageable. It can become uh, problematic. It can lead to a place where there's no control. There's no structure. And so really the journey in the first half of life is trying to navigate these two poles, trying to find the sweet spot between chaos and order, between freedom and responsibility in our own lives. And so I want to walk us through a story this morning that Jesus tells about two brothers, two sons, who kind of demonstrate this journey through life. This is out of Luke 15. And this is a story maybe you've heard, but maybe not in this way. You see, most of the time when we read scripture, particularly stories that Jesus tells, they're told to convey a message and to create an opportunity for us to learn something about who God is in the story. And that is definitely true in this story. But what the other opportunity is when Jesus tells a story is for us to see ourselves and to find ourselves in this story. And so as we think about the ways that we navigate the first half of life, as we think about how we manage this balance between chaos and order, between freedom and responsibility, maybe you will find yourself in this story as I have. Starting in verse 11, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. And soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far, far away. Now, just like we said at the beginning, every life is this search, this, this attempt to kind of settle the restlessness in our souls, to go out searching for a new home. And this is exactly what we see the younger son do. He believes that there is a home that awaits him out there somewhere and he wants his half of the inheritance so he can go and pursue it. And so he took a trip to a land far, far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. 
And it says, when he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed some pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. Now, one of the things I think that's interesting about this pursuit, this path of life, is it's all based on desire. It's all based on the opportunity to explore the freedoms given. And there's a natural season for that in life. There's a time for us to do that, to struggle, to stumble, to kind of work through the construction and the, you know, the boundaries of our life, what we should and shouldn't do. But we all recognize that if this continues too long and too far, they have a you know, kind of a psychological term for this. This is this idea of this Peter Pan syndrome, this idea of the eternal boy who never wants to grow up. There has to be some balance in the navigation of our life. Because if we find ourselves too far forward in this place of just leaning into the freedoms, doing whatever we want, whenever we want, however we please, ultimately it leads to the place that this younger son finds him in. Life starts to be hard and difficult. And what you see is that there's a shift that happens when he realizes that this path in life doesn't lead to the place that he thinks it goes. And this is what it says in verse 17. But when he came to himself. See, there's this recognition that at some point he's become disconnected from himself. There's an aspect, a part of himself that he has lost sight of. He has lost himself to his passions, to his desires, to the freedoms afforded to him. There's some part of his soul that he is not, has not been connected to. He's moved too far on that continuum between chaos and order. And so there's a moment when he realizes the dead end that exists when life is lived too far into that place of freedom, that he's lost sight of something important, something central to who he is. And so Jesus in this story says, and eventually he comes to himself. He realizes that there is something missing. There is something absent. And this is what I think is interesting is what he longs for. When he's had everything available to him that he could possibly want and desire, what is the thing that he wants most? He wants order. He said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I am starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired hands. Put me into a structure. Put me into some sense of responsibility and expectation that allows me to live a fuller sense of life. Even one that forfeits my initial relationship with you. I long for some balance some equilibrium between the chaos and the order that exists within my soul. Help me find myself in relationship to you, Father. Help me find myself in relationship to some of the structure that you can provide, even if that means that I have to sacrifice some of the freedom that I, that I feel and that I long for in this life. So, in verse 20 it says, He got up and he went to his father's house. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. And then his son said, the speech that he rehearsed, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. You see, this is the path and the journey of the younger son. He moves too far to a place of freedom, too far into this place of chaos, and it doesn't lead to where he thinks it goes. He's trying to search for an identity. He's trying to search for a way to make sense of his life. And he pursues it through all of the choices that are available to him, doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And ultimately, that proves to be a dead end. And in that place, he recognizes he needs more responsibility. He needs more rules. He needs more balance in his life, a balance that only comes back in relationship with his father. When he shows up, the dad ignores kind of his request to become a servant, and he says, no, you are still a son. There's nothing that you could do that will cause you to lose your relationship, your identity, your status with me. That's the story of the first and younger son. But there were two. And this is what we read about the older son. Now, his older son was in the field. Now, the field is a place of work. The field is a place of responsibility. The field is a place of duty, of order, of structure, and of routine. If you know anybody who's ever worked on a farm or was raised on a farm, you wake up long before the sun comes up and you go to bed long after the sun goes down. There is always something to do. There's always work to be done. There's always more that requires doing. This is the life that the older son has chosen. I think for many of us, this is the life that feels more comfortable to us. This pursuit, this careerism, this achievement, this success orientation, we find a sense of identity in the places that we pursue of climbing the corporate ladder or building our life in a very structured, ordered way. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem comes, just like with the younger son, when you move too far towards that end of the continuum, when your life is only found in the order and the pursuit of responsibility that you live with. And so this older son was in the field, and he was out doing what was right. But that type of life, only based on responsibility, misses the vital aspect of the human soul. It misses the life and the joy that exists in freedom. And inevitably, this is, just like what we see with the younger son, this is what calls the older son back in from a life of order and responsibility. And so this is what it says. It says, coming in from the field, the older son approached the house and heard music and dancing. Now, if you've ever been to like a great party, you know that it is not a place of structure. It is not a place of order. It is more a place of joy and passion and energy. What could be called archetypally is chaos. There's something about that amount of life that was attractive to the older brother. He's being pulled towards it. It draws him in from the field. He can hear the sounds. He can see the lights. Maybe he can smell the food that's being cooked. There's something elemental and human about what's happening in the house that he longs to be a part of. He recognizes that life isn't fully found in the pursuit of responsibility and of structure and of order, and it draws him in from the fields. So, it says he calls one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. 
The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. And then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in. Son said, no, this isn't fair. This isn't right. And I'm not going to be part of what's happening. And so the father comes out and and begs him to come inside. And the older son answers his father. And he says, listen, he begins to make his case. He begins to lay out his rationale and reasoning why this is so unjust and so unfair. I've served you all of these years and I've never disobeyed your instruction. My life has been defined by responsibility. My life has been defined by order. I have achieved everything that you've set out for me to achieve. I've climbed the ladder of success. I've done it the right way my whole life. And yet, I long for something that you've never given me. This life, this life of order and of responsibility, the pursuit of achievement, this duty that I've given my life to is missing something. There's something lacking. There's something I've always wanted that you've just freely given to my younger brother who didn't earn it. All I've wanted was to have a party at the house with my friends and for you to give me a a young goat. I don't even need the fattened calf. I just want a young goat so that me and my friends could celebrate a little bit. What I think is so interesting about this is both brothers pursue different paths, but they pursue them to the extremes. And in that place of extremes, they recognize that their life is missing something vital to the human soul, vital to their basic longings and needs. And both of those things draw them back towards the Father's house because that's the place where they can find both. As a son, you get both. You get responsibility and you get freedom. This is what they long for. They long for both. They, they long for a life of balance, of spiritual depth and maturity, equal parts, chaos and order. Both of them find that they're dissatisfied with the path that their life has taken when they've only pursued one of the extremes, when they've pr- only pursued one of the options. I think this is so easy for us to see in our own lives. I have people in my life who have pursued kind of the, uh, the chaos path of life. They've kind of lived a very interesting life, a very exciting life. When you invite them to dinner parties, they're the one with lots of stories to tell about all the places that they have gone and all the things that they have done, all of the freedoms that they have enjoyed and experienced. But it's come at the expense of a lot of responsibility. And so at some point, they get to a place where those freedoms no longer seem to be that interesting. They're no longer that compelling. They're no longer as exciting as they once were. And so they long for a little bit of structure and order in their life. And I, probably like you, know people who have given their lives to building and creating and constructing and achieving this very responsible, dutied life. And at some point, it has failed them because it doesn't get them what they actually think that it's going to get them. They realize that there is more to life than just the pursuit, just the working of the field, just the career success. And again, each part's of the human soul in each parts of this life. They're not bad in and of themselves. They're just incomplete when it's just one of the two. And this is what we see happen with the brothers. They recognize there is something missing. There is something that they are still searching for and they've just walked too far down one path 
And so what we see is in both instances, when they come to the end of this road, longing for more, there stands waiting for them each an invitation. And that's the invitation to come home. And this is what the father says to his older son. Then his father said, son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What we see with both brothers' stories is that when they've come to the end of their road and realize that they have gone too far down the wrong one, that there's an invitation from the father to come back home, to come back into relationship. This home that they were searching for, that they were longing for, that they set off to find on their own, was actually only found in the place where they started in relationship to the father. And so he invites them back in. He says, it doesn't matter what you've done, you're still welcome here. And I know that you have worked and strived and you've had it the whole time. You just never recognized it. To both brothers, there's this invitation to come back home to the father. Because it's at home in the father's house, when we become children of the father, that we recognize that there's both freedom and responsibility. There is a balance, there is a depth and maturity to our souls that we can find. And it's the invitation that I think is extended to each one of us. Because we all have some different ratio and some different balance of chaos and order in our lives, the way that we have pursued this first half of our life. And for some of us, we've moved on past the first half. But what you will find happens in the first half of life is at some point, the path that you are on will disappoint. The path that you, will, you are on will lead you to a place where you didn't expect. And it's not necessarily because you've done anything wrong but it's how this life and this maturation process, this spiritual formation happens. Awaiting all of us at some point in our lives is this invitation to come back home into the Father's house, to realize that there is more waiting for us, that we haven't been too bad and we were never as good as we thought, no matter where we fall on this continuum. And in that there is life waiting for us, just like there is life waiting for these brothers. We don't know what happens in their story. We don't know what happens next. But what we do know is that for each of them, the Father invites them back home. And for us, that's where the story will continue because we have more of this kind of map to explore and discover together. But I want you to know today, very simply, is that whichever path you are navigating, whichever path you are choosing, there is more to your story awaiting you. There's an invitation no matter how far you've gone in either place. Whether you feel dissatisfied with the road that you're on or you're disappointed in yourself for the choices that you've made on that road, there's always an invitation to come back home. No matter how long you've been on it, no matter, no matter how long you've been walking, there is a wholeness and there is a rest for our souls back in the Father's house. And that is really good news. So next week, we'll continue the story, we'll continue the journey, and we'll talk about this confusing, strange middle passage that is really difficult to navigate. And sometimes it looks like wrestling with God. Sometimes it might even change your sense of identity. But it's the next step in our journey. So let me pray for our time together, and we'll close out our service. God, thank you for this morning and this chance to have a conversation about the invitation that you extend to each one of us. 
God, this life pulls us in so many directions. There's so many places for us to pursue, to direct our energies, to direct our passions, to spend our life. But inevitably, God, they all fall short when they don't include you. So God, help us to receive your invitation to come back home and to experience the fullness of life that exists there. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.